Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning and destiny. And for those of you that are new, you can go to my website at ultimatemeaning.com where you will find very original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me. It's in a flip book and the print that is in red which is extensive, are links to many YouTube videos highly verifying the reality of what I am sharing here. And these are not just any old YouTube videos. Most of them are very profound and amazing videos. So I will leave it at that. This message is for those that have come to know the one true eternal God, for whom to know is life eternal who is the ultimate manifestation and perfection of love, the very source of love, which is the source of all existence of reality itself. This message is for those that have come to know Jesus Christ, Who is God manifest in the flesh? You only have to go to Genesis 18 and there Abraham is at his tent door, possibly in prayer, bowed down. And he looks before him about maybe 10 feet ahead of him and there's three men standing. He knew they weren't ordinary men. He runs to them and says that he wants to make a good meal for them. And he does, and they all eat the food. And they're talking with each other, and Sarah's in the tent. And Abraham addresses one of them, which is the leader of those three together, as Yahweh, which is the most sacred name for God. Yes, there you have Jesus Christ communicating with Abraham, who is God manifest in the flesh, the most sacred name for God. For the one true eternal God is Yahweh in the Old Testament, which basically means the very source of reality, the I am that I am that is separate and above and beyond creation. It's referring to God the Father. The second name that is used with that name often in the Old Testament is Elohim, which means the Almighty's, referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God cannot be God unless he is in three personages because he must rule in the three ultimate aspects of existence, which are beyond creation, beyond time and space, in creation, in time and space, and filling all creation in omnipresence, that's the third dimension, as the Holy Spirit, not only in creation, but with the Father. And so, Yahweh, the Father, and the Son is also called Yahweh, who is fully expressed into the creation realm to experience it and to communicate on a limited creature level, for example, with man. And then you have the Holy Spirit in omnipresence. Yahweh, the Holy Spirit in omnipresence. 
one God in three persons. So I want to share with those that have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, of God, what God is saying by his Spirit to the churches. The Word of God says in 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And so I will seek to allow God to speak through me. This is further explained in Revelations 19.10, which says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Prophetic utterance, which is speaking as the oracles of God, comes out of worship. When we worship God in spirit and in truth, in great humility and reverence, we are filled with his spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that can result in creative utterances, whether that be in the form of a song or a prophetic word or word of exhortation or whatever way that comes forth in a prayer that is also at the same time communicating with God's people, whatever way comes forth. And so I seek to share these messages out of a heart set and a mindset of worship that I might speak as the oracles of God. What I do is I also facilitate this by casting lots to get two chapters with two independent random applications on the internet that randomly choose any possible chapter in the Bible. Those two chapters, when I do this with reverence in a right relationship with God, always bear witness with one another as to the theme. I meditate on them for a half an hour only, and then usually after, or after I've had a nap or whatever, then I preach the message with very little knowledge of what I'm going to be speaking on. But that allows for the spirit of prophecy. It allows for me to speak whatever God would be saying. And so with a bit of meditation I've had from these two chapters, I will share what God by his spirit is saying to you as an individual and to the churches on this day of September the 13th of 2022 on Tuesday. But I also choose a song by the casting of a lot by, from a hymn book of 1,080 hymns. Now, you're saying you're doing everything by the casting of lots. Well, yeah, God can speak in other ways, but usually that's the way he does it with me, even with the songs. And yes, it was used extensively in the Old Testament scriptures as well as in the New Testament by the church to choose the apostle that would take the place of Judas. It was used by extensively by powerful movements of revival in church history, such as the Moravians, who even chose their wives by the casting of Lot before God. It is very scriptural. It says in Proverbs 16, 33, the casting of the Lot and the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. And so we're going to choose the hymn, and we have the hymn now that came by the casting of Lot. So I will now bring that hymn up, and we will sing that hymn which is probably a very appropriate hymn with whatever is going to be shared.
that have known no pressure, no oil can bestow. If the grapes escape the wine press, cheering wine can never flow. suffering which thy love for me would choose each blow I suffer is true gain to me in the place of what thou takest thou dost give thyself to me Still my heart shall answer you. 
So I want to now share with you all what was received today by the casting of Lot before the Lord. Today I received by the casting of Lot before the Lord Exodus 30 and Numbers 24. And you know, sometimes when I get these and I think, oh man, Exodus 30, that's just talking about, you know, the furniture and the tabernacle, how could that God be in that? How could have you given me that? I mean, what am I going to get out of that? And then I got Numbers 24. Let me tell you, I didn't have that attitude. I believe that God did give me those two chapters, and he really did. And I saw clearly the message that is in these two chapters. Now, Numbers 24 is about Balaam, who cannot help but prophesy blessing upon the children of Israel. Now, God's blessing was upon Israel because they followed the commandments to allow God to dwell in their midst. This required great reverence, dedication, and obedience out of love for God. 
which is what you see in Exodus 30, is the things that were involved in allowing God to dwell in the midst of the camp of Israel at that time. Yes, the reason Balaam could only bless Israel was because Israel was willing recipients to look, to take the measures necessary of obedience and dedication to allow God to dwell in their midst. So we're going to uh, just look at Exodus 30 a bit, first of all, from a few of the verses. It says in verses 7 to 10, And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning when he dresseth the lamps. He shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering thereon. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. Now Aaron is there before this which is the altar of incense, where he offers incense unto the Lord, which represents prayer. And once a year, he puts blood upon the horns of that altar. Now that is for Israel as a nation. People get this misconception that in the Old Testament, people couldn't be close to God because they had to go through all of the various rituals that are described such as here. But that is not true because we know that Enoch walked very close with God and Abraham and all of them had a close intimate relationship with God. The difference between the time after Christ and before Christ is that the soul um, and the spirit could not be cleansed and therefore the spirit of God dwelt with them before. That's why it says in John 14, where he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Once the soul and spirit could be cleansed after the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, then there was the imbuing of our soul and spirit, the saturation of our soul and spirit. The word imbuing and saturation is another word for baptism, the full immersion of our soul and spirit. But when God dwelt with them, they also were born again of the spirit and knew God and experienced the spirit of God coming upon them very strongly in the spirit of prophecy. And so they surely could still have a relationship with God that was intimate, or you wouldn't have people like Elijah being translated in Enoch. However, in this, these verses here, we see that there was important steps that were taken so that Israel as a nation could have God dwelling in their midst. And one of them was the altar of incense, where he's offering continually incense before the Lord on the altar of incense, often each day, representing prayer. And then every male in Israel, it says here in verse 15 to 16, they had to give a half a shekel 
And it says this, the rich shall not give more and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel when they give an offering unto the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. And thou shalt take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation that it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. And then he says, basically, that if you don't do these things, you could even die. So it's not that their souls are being saved unto eternal life, but that their souls are being brought into a oneness with God where God can dwell among them as a nation here corporately. Obviously, people entered into a close relationship with God those that sought him, such as Joshua and Caleb and others, the ones that prophesied in the camp and they were fit for, and someone says, oh, forbid them. And Moses says, I wish you were all prophets that had such a close relationship with God that the spirit of God would come upon you and you would out of that worship have the utterances of God coming forth. And of course, in the tabernacle, they also had to wash their hands and their feet that they didn't die, it says here. It says, so they wash shall wash their hands and their feet that they die not, and it shall be a statue forever to them, even to him and to his seed throughout their generations. That's because they're bringing the whole nation corporately before God. They are approaching the presence of God in great reverence. And that also spoke to them as individuals on the importance of such reverence and awe before God which when you really love someone, you treat them as exceedingly precious, not as common. And this is a thing that is very lacking in the body of Christ today, is the genuine fear of God, this reverence, this sensitivity to who God is in our midst and to the Spirit of God. We're not those that just come glibly and presumptuously before God. It says in Ecclesiastes, be not presumptuous to come before the Lord, for God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Approximately, that's what it says. And we go on and we read here about the oil. And thou shalt make an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound, after the art of the apothecary, it shall be an holy anointing oil, and thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith, and the ark of the testimony, and the table, and all the vessels, and the candlestick and his vessels, and the altar of incense, which are all different things that were used so that as a nation, they would have God to be able to dwell in their midst. And so Balaam cannot prophesy anything but blessing upon Israel. And when they fell away, they were severely chastened of God and ended up in captivity. And then they came out of the captivity back, fully restored, as is recorded in the book of Nehemiah and Ezra. They came into a very deep love relationship after a severe chastisement of captivity for 70 years, as we are aware, most of us in the word of God. Now we had a song that said, all of us that know no pressure. And I was in very much in tears as I listened to that song, because I know of the trials and the testings that many of us as believers go through and of, that I have been going through even now with different things in my life.
So God allows us to be under pressure because it brings forth his presence in our lives, his glory in our lives. And the question is, are we facilitating to allow God to dwell on us as individuals? How do we do that? We choose to buy of him the gold tried in the fire and white garments, as it says in Revelations chapter 3 to the church of the Laodiceans that were lukewarm. I counsel thee to buy of me the gold tried in thy fire that thou mayest be rich. In other words, to say to God, I choose to let you be the potter over my life and me the clay. I choose to let you judge me now that later on I might not be judged with the world, that I might come into a deep, intimate relationship with you now in my life. Each day we should be praying such a prayer, a full surrender, surrendering our lives out of love for who he is, not out of some performance, out of a, monotheistic, idolatrous perception of God as a dictator. He is severe upon us in our lives and upon this world with the consequences of sin. There is much suffering. The question is, is our love going to be unconditional with, in our relationship with him and our faith, our moral persuasion in who he is, because faith works by love. When we perceive who God is in his love, we are morally persuaded in him. And we need to perceive that he is a God of love that is the very source of love. And out of that love issues great beauty. And that is why King David said, worship God in the beauty of holiness. God's love has integrity. It is severe on sin. It will not condone what is contrary to love. And he's calling us as his people in this hour to separate ourselves from all uncleanness and to walk in a holy life so that he can dwell richly in us as individuals. And when we gather together, richly as a congregation. And when we do, we need to facilitate him being in our midst all the more in these last days than the way it was in the time of the nation of Israel. And so I have written a book called God headship and body invasion that gives many suggestions and other things that would fully enhance us being very wholehearted in our love corporately as a congregation so that we do not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from dwelling in our midst in these last days. When God dwells in our midst, we are led by his spirit we do not become those that are in a box that limit God. Oh, I've seen how man in his own ways limits God more than anyone. I was part of the great charismatic movement that happened in the 70s, and I saw them fall into the trap of shepherding, where they started to have everyone having to account to someone else over them some discipleship program, and God gave me a dream, warning me of it, where everyone was standing in the form of a pyramid and there was dark clouds around, and the Lord said, leave this congregation. And I left. And a week later, Pastor Birch, the leader of that powerful movement, left as well. And from there came another church, which I won't go into the details. But I know I was part of other movements 
that fell due to the lack of the genuine fear of God, the movement with Witness Lee, who came out of Watchman's Knees work in China, went into the air of becoming the very thing they, they were seeking not to be, which was denominative, a denomination. They lost their individuality. Instead of the balance of individuality forming a beautiful mosaic, they became like bricks, all conformed to one another. This is where we need not just mere knowledge of the things of God, but we need the deep turning of the heart that comes out of the genuine fear of God. God is calling us in this hour to be those, and the fear of God means to choose to rightly recognize God as the ultimate trustworthiness that can only be recognized when we recognize him as good in his severity against sin. In other words, we acknowledge the holiness of God as good. It is out of the holiness of God that comes great beauty. That's why it says in the word of God, worship God in the beauty of holiness. Beauty comes out of the integrity of God's love or the holiness of God's love. Great beauty, great purity. Oh, we should be in love with purity because though it may bring pain in our lives and we may go through pressure, we come forth into a place of liberty, of abundance, of wholeness. Yes, holiness births wholeness in your being. Wholeness where you can love your enemies. You can love those that cause pain, that persecute you. You can bless them truly because you have God's love in your heart, not condoning their sin against you. Yes, you reprove the sin in humility and in a heart to seek to win them by being willing to take the blows of misunderstanding by speaking the truth in love in love. And that is what God is calling in this hour for his people to be those that can have his blessing prophesied on their lives because they are allowing and not limiting God. There is the extra oil. There is a love relationship that goes the second mile that brings the first fruits in everything of your life. He is the priority. You don't waste your, you don't allow the manipulative blades of this world to manipulate your life with the gods of amusement. So many people spending hours watching sports and so on instead of praying or the gods of pleasure, of materialism. You repent of these things, church, and you'll conquer your nation. You'll conquer your community with the glory of God that will come into your midst as a congregation. And he's calling you in this hour to come out of uncleanness, to repent, to come back as a congregation to him, to facilitate his dwelling of glory in your midst by becoming again his house of prayer and holiness. This is a message to wake up the body of Christ. And need I tell you that on my website, I have links to many news sources so that you can be a good watchman over your nation. And you better wake up if you're listening to the lying fake news media because they are lying. They've been infiltrated for the last 30 years by the Chinese Communist Party and globalist elites that hate God. And I don't need to get into that here. 
but God is calling us as his people. The answer to conquering our nation again and restoring it to righteousness and to wholeness is that the church wakes up and repents and comes into that new order that is under the fullness of the headship of Christ for these last days. Thank you for listening to this message. I appreciate your support by purchasing my book through a link on my website at loverealize.com or wherever else. And I'm coming out very soon with a book on the evidence of life after death. I'm just trying to figure out the title and add a few little things onto it. So it should be coming out possibly, depending on how fast I can do the book cover and so on, maybe this week, next week at the latest. I hope to have it up on Amazon. I'll let you know what the title is then. So God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this message.